I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, the super liminal salesperson, Bob Mackey, who is here with me today. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, pre-orderer of a baby axe. Ooh. <laughs> and of course, this is our monthly community podcast. If you're on the Patreon, it launches at the end of the month. If you're on the free feed, it launches at the beginning of the month. And what we do on this podcast is go over Simpsons news and what's going on in our neck of the woods. And also we respond to your questions and comments from the last round of episodes. And it's the end of the summer. Woo. Oh boy. And yeah. 2021 is uh, surprisingly almost over. It's another year that frankly didn't happen. <sighs> didn't happen. And yeah, it also, uh, you know, it's supposed to be the fun summer. They told us, you know, hey, yeah. no more masks if you're vaccinated. And now masks are coming back on indoors it, and, and pretty much everywhere in California. It was planned to be a fun summer until yes, uh, yeah. things were quickly rolled back. <laughs> uh, also, I guess, too, for a California summer here, it could be the last one of uh, Gavin Newsom. It's, mm. uh, it's, uh, those polls ain't looking, uh, they're pretty tight, those polls in the recall election. And if we get a recall, it won't be somebody fun like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's some, no. like, insane man. Yeah, it's everybody crazy i mean yeah me and me and bob i don't i got no love for gavin newsom he's lame yeah but i we voted no just because it's like man this guy fucking sucks but the the person who replaces him would be a republican with 18 percent of the vote yeah but it's boring to admit those things like that's not fun we just got a message from bernie sanders saying like during a recording during a personal a message recording. yeah uh this is this is what happens if you are a lefty person who gave money to bernie you just get emails from the Democratic Party all the mm. time now. You but know? enough California news. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about what's happening in the Simpsons world. And yes, uh, I think it's like month three of news about this. But finally, <laughs> the pre-orders for the Simpsons Arcade with Simpsons Bowling, of course, uh, they happened. Yep. And they yeah. happened. And were they sold out immediately? What happened there? I think they are relatively available. But the ones that uh, that came with the stool included uh, might not be as available now, which that's the... That is the one I pre-ordered. I pre-ordered it. It. I watched a video. You know, it's not as uh, it's as easy to put together as an IKEA uh, mm. bookshelf. You know, and it's uh, it looks fun. It looks fun. I think uh, you know people have uh, built their TMNT four-player ones in the wild, and they're bigger than the two-player ones. They actually look a little meatier. Mm. Not. Uh, I don't know. It also uh, it it was a ridiculous sum of money, and I shouldn't have bought it. But I <laughs> I. I probably won't put it together until i live in a different apartment but <laughs> but you'll uh, have it i'll have it you'll have it another box to move into yes. another place but <laughs> i will play it when you assemble it i must okay. play it yeah no me and you will do a full run i call homer homer's for me i call him, i'll but. be i'll be marge i like the <laughs> vacuum cleaner so there's more good news in that there are some new action figures on the market i can't remember when the last time this happened was mm. uh when there was a new line of just traditional action figures not like little blind box things mm. not uh, like Funko adjacent yeah. items. Yeah, ooh, Funko. Yeah, these are full-on action figures, lovingly crafted. Uh, they're Super 7, uh, and it's a uh, five in all. You've got Robot Itchy, Robot Scratchy, Poochie the Rockin' Dog, Homer from Deep Space Homer, and just Mo. And let's say Mo. And let's is say our last Mo. That's one. great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, they're uh, all great, and I I can't buy any of these because I just I don't know what to do with them or where to put them. But I I, I heartily endorse them. They're very good. Mo comes with a box, a, a panda in a box. Yeah. Uh, a jar of pickled eggs. 
uh, the flaming mo, of course. Uh, his missing tooth is part of one of his heads. That's great. I I love the deep space Homer one. Comes with his bag of chips and the ant farm, and also a replaceable like three different heads. One of them being his open mouth head for the spin around uh, in three dimensions around the chip uh, mm. thing. That's great. And and yes, the. Uh, Robot Scratchy, I believe, is the one that comes with the Bort license plate. And Robot Itchy comes with the axe and the little baby axe that comes along, too. Yes, actually, Scratchy is the baby axe and the Bort plates. Ah, okay. And uh, Itchy has the drum, because I believe he's beating the drum in the robot parade. Uh, And you can take off his head and see that's why Homer's robot didn't work. (laughs) Amazing accuracy in these. Like these. And yeah, you know. Poochie the rocket dog comes with a lot of different facial expressions and a fanny pack for his side too and of course his guitar like I think Poochie if I were to get one Poochie is the pick for oh me. Oh boy, they're they're $55 each. Hey, you're paying for quality there. Yeah. Like uh, and Super 7 does not skimp on quality. They made some really good toys in the past. You know what? I normally don't buy toys, but I saw one recently I really wanted, not Simpsons related, but it looked really good and they're still in stock. Uh NECA, they make really good toys oh, yeah, too. Yeah. Uh and I have not really bought an action figure in a long time, but the Doc Brown one they recently released it's Ooh. so eerily realistic the really? different Doc Brown heads that are on that I really want it and I might buy it it's in my Amazon cart I'm so <laughs> tempted but again I don't know where to put it or what to do with it it's probably going to go in a box for when I eventually move to another place just like you <laughs> Yeah, that, that, the NECA toys in their boxes still usually look pretty great Like the, that's right it comes in a nice box right The well the only NECA one I own is the Robocop one but it's Robocop colored like how he appears in the NES game mm. and the box kind of looks like it's an NES like rental uh, case for it it's really cool yeah and the i mean the tmnt characters when they're colored like their arcade uh, konami arcade game guys their boxes are excellent as well did they do a jason one where he's purple a and purple blue jason yeah. One, yeah and they did a bright orange uh freddy that okay. looks like the the nes freddy as well they yeah. need to just knock funko out of business you know what i Complaining about Funko is so trade. I feel like I was one of the pioneers in that industry, but that was I wrote my big anti-Funko screed mm. now like six years ago. It feels like wow. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it if you love Funko's, more power to you. But I I prefer the posability and movement yeah. of it, and just the design sense of Funko. It's not for me. As cute as Homer in his um. I dream of genie outfit from uh, Treehouse Eight is as a Funko. I I just can't display yeah, a Funko. They make me recoil in horror and will never <laughs> win me over. It's okay if you like them though. So uh, more in merch news, we have a new Simpson shoes. They are Ned Flanders shoes from Adidas. They look like the character's outfit. They're not actually Ned's shoes. Yes, yeah, and they're they, not assassins either. They're not assassins. Yeah, they are. They are shoes that evoke the feel of Ned Flanders. This reminds me of like Disney bounding where you go to Disney yeah. World or Disneyland because they won't let you wear a costume you go in like themed clothing to you know evoke the character so this mm. we're looking at the first Simpsons bounding I think it's funny to see the Adidas versus the Vans approach to these things that the I I think I still liked the Vans line more than the Adidas line uh, just because it's like even the very simple Bart ones that we got for free like just it's like it's blue like Bart's pants orange on the side like Bart's shirt and they sort of feel like Bart's shoes as well mm-hmm. 
but uh, these this one that evokes Ned, they're they're not they're they're good luck, and they're also just like a brown shoe. Yes, yeah, wow, brown. <laughs> uh, I like the pink interior too on those yeah. to symbolize like the little dress shirt he's wearing underneath his green sweater. It gets a little spicy. Yeah, it, it yeah. has a little extra flavor to it with the pink. I like that. But or also, salmon. no one is going to point those out and say, "Hey, Ned Flanders," when you're walking down the street. Yeah. And again, we're sitting on a bunch of shoes to debut at some point when we have a live show of this. Like I mm. someday the you listeners are going to really appreciate seeing me in my Mr. Plow Vans shoes. I have never worn the Simpson shoes that they sent us back in last August. It was last August. I have Facebook memories reminded me they are still in pristine condition in their boxes in my closet. I still walk. I walk around in the Bart shoes. And if I go downstairs to get like a delivery, I will wear my pink donut van slippers but other than that i i've kept the others in the box for for special occasions i'm saving one pair for our first live show and one pair for uh nina and i when we actually have our ceremony <laughs> that we already paid for right uh, as soon as things uh, lighten up around the border you're gonna walk down the aisle in those so in some homer shoes mm-hmm. uh, those will look great and many exotic birds will be looking on <laughs> So, yes, uh, there's some sad news if you're in the UK, uh, is that No More Sky 1, it's going bye-bye after 20 years? 20-plus years yeah. of Sky 1, yeah, it was uh, the home... Oh, sorry, 40 years. Oh, wow. Geez. I was wrong about yeah. that. 1982, I believe. Uh, yes, yeah, Sky 1 was the home of uh, discerning Simpsons viewers in the UK, as we've learned, of like that. I believe the timeline was, you know, we got it in, in really the end of 89, but 90, and then I believe by the end of 90 or 91, if you had the... Uh, fancy satellite service sky one uh you could watch the simpsons on there and other american programming and then it was i believe 95 or 96 that then bbc started getting simpsons reruns themselves so the hoy polloi in the uk could watch it and not Mm. just the satellite dish owners i see and uh yeah uh, metro.co.uk uh they they had a fun little retrospective thing on like how people remember watching sky one for the simpsons and how it was uh it, i watched a little clip of it like the sky uh, sky one simpsons brought to you by dominoes <laughs> and you get a little commercial for british dominoes now that i have british people on podcasts more often i feel uncomfortable making fun of them <laughs> at, at least i need to have a better british accent i i think i've got an okay one uh like here Hey, let's watch Simpsons on Sky One. Wait, I, wait. I often lapse into Australian because it's more fun. Uh, I uh, I actually just listened to uh, Libby Watson on Doughboys, and I felt I felt secondhand embarrassment hearing Mike Mitchell do a British accent <laughs> a joke to her. So. I can't believe they got rid of Sky One. I like me mushy peas in me Sky One. Where am I gonna watch EastEnders? <laughs> uh, but I was thinking about how like some of our old buddies, uh, uh, Matthew of Botchamania, mm-hmm. who's a mm-hmm. british man who got into simpsons uh, he there is a lot of crossover with uh uk wrestling fans who also love the simpsons and from reading about sky one is like oh wwf then wwe programming was home on sky one so if you were a kid who had access to sky one you're watching the simpsons on there you're watching wwf oh, all Raw, the bad influences and you're watching pokemon you're oh, watching wow. that too on sky one so but yes yeah, sky one is rebranded 
branding. It's, you know, I, I guess it's not as special as it used to be. You can watch Simpsons wherever. UK has access to Simpsons on Disney Plus whenever they feel mm-hmm. like it now. And they have that uh, they have that extra thing on Disney Plus in the UK where you can watch like Family Guy. Because they don't have Hulu. Yeah, so yeah, yeah they, the Hulu things, they, they have that on just Disney Plus for the, for the Britos. So another cool fan creation news, uh, the Withra on Twitter built a 3D printed Simpsons TV in the style of the old Simpsons SDTV. There's a Raspberry Pi uh, little computer inside that plays random apps from The Simpsons from the first 11 episodes. I love how that much storage can fit in that little compartment. It's amazing. Yeah, and that just flipping it on, it's so great. Like, I, uh, you can tell that we're Simpsons influencers because many nice uh, listeners shared this with me on Twitter of just many people sharing like, oh, a guy on Reddit, a guy on Reddit. I, I got to say, our pal on Twitter, Bart of Darkness, uh, he found the guy, the Withra, and he was the one who spread it around of like, I found yeah. the actual guy and talked to him and he made his own instructions on how he can make it himself. And even he's auctioning some off for charity. Yeah. Like through Barter of Darkness, I saw that he made 10 more of them and he's selling them off for charity. So it's really auctioning cool. them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, uh, I'm, I was glad to see that Bart of Darkness went to the trouble of crediting this guy. And it is a really cool uh, device. I mean, you know, we buy all these NES classics or whatever. If Fox, if Disney built one of these things, like it mass produced it, it would be the hit of the Christmas season. Yeah. Everybody would buy it for their for their dumb kids <laughs> like us. It's yeah. basically like a keychain that has, uh, I don't know, 500 hours worth of Simpsons on it. Yeah. I guess, though, they... Uh, Disney wouldn't sell that or they no. sold it they'd sell it for like $300 because they'd be like otherwise it cuts into our DVD or our Disney Plus business but. Uh, speaking of Disney being jerks uh, <laughs> we could talk about this uh, fan made remake of Simpsons Hit and Run in the Unreal Engine apparently this guy put out a demo uh, of the Homer areas of the game mm-hmm. and he did it in about a week uh, I believe his name is uh, Joe McGinn oh sorry Joe McGinn is the name of the designer on the game who was impressed by it but Ruben Ward was an Unreal developer um, his latest project was doing this remake of Hit and Run the classic 2003 GTA clone of the Simpsons he put out this demo of the Homer areas he did a ton of tweaks in just a week uh, an amazing job yes, like yeah. this guy could have just remade the game if he was uh, allowed to but of course it was cease and desisted out of existence they made him take down the free mm-hmm. demo but all reports tell me this was so well done I know all the videos of it looked amazing I was like wow this is what games could look like this is what they could do with it this is what one guy could do ea could do so much more with it but uh i mean i don't want to be you know obviously ea sucks and disney sucks but those cease and desist things don't just come from like a mean guy in an office saying shut it down no fun yeah they often do come from just a lawyer saying if you don't stop this, then it will be used in a trial later to prove you didn't defend your copyright. And so they act extra aggressive about it. But yeah, the, I guess the guy too, he wasn't selling it for profit, but he had like a Patreon of like pay me to keep making this kind of thing. So in yeah. a way, that's a provable profit. But. Even so, they, they it's their game. They have the right to take it down. And like, mm-hmm. uh, I believe uh, Matt Selman commented on the idea of this being remade. He's like, it's a, it's like a rights octopus, like all these different arms, because I'm looking at it. Uh, 
Radical Entertainment developed it. Yep. Uh, Vivendi Universal Games published it. Mm-hmm. So there are different rights involved with those two. But now EA has the rights to Simpsons games and Disney has the rights to the Simpsons license. Yeah. So there's just like these four parties that need to work together, prob- probably don't have time. Well, and there's a lot of bad feelings about like Vivendi, you know, there were the stories that they were working, Radical was working on a hit and run sequel and then EA outbid Vivendi for the continued yeah. Simpsons rights. So they had to cancel it. And, you know, Radical, like they, I think they don't exist anymore anyway. And it's like, who has the original files? Those could also just be lost to time. I, uh, but yeah, I guess that does fold into uh, the, uh, the next news story, just that our, our pal Cat Bailey, uh, previous guest on the show, uh, she interviewed Matt Sel- Selman. It published like a day after our last community podcast, uh, but but folks should look it up, her, her interview on IGN with him. But she asked about Hit and Run, and that's where he said like, hey, look, I like Hit and Run too, and I worked on it, but it's incredibly complicated who could have the rights to remake it. You know, I'm sure Kat was very professional, but she should have found a way to talk about us. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like, remember Henry and Bob? They were the two aggressive nerds who recognized you at a table read and confused you with that fact. Like, Matt Selman. Uh, he was just like, I, I guess I'll sign your scripts. How do you know who uh, I am? When, when I saw she was doing an interview with Matt Selman, I sent her a picture from Frankie Ack of Gil saying, put in a good word for old Gil, won't you? (laughs) Um, We'll get him on the show. I feel like Matt Selman has probably been told about us like five times from different people. I I think he's not called us back for a reason (laughs) yet. I don't know why. I want him to make fun of me on a podcast. Yeah, be be mean. Tell us us we're jerks. Well, in that interview, he also talks about how like people care too much about continuity. No continuity of The Simpsons is real it changes every episode who stop caring about it so much like yeah and uh i got angry at a viral post that was going around recently earlier in the month but you you were you had a much better anger about it yes uh my anger was directed at people who aren't as insane as us in terms of nerdiness about the simpsons in which we know where every image is from yes in that uh someone posted an image of uh, las vegas odds for the simpsons and they're like can you believe las vegas is taking bets on this and i was like no that is an image from the america's most wanted theme special that aired before who shot mr burns in which it was a mock-up yes. of odds in vegas because they are just being playful there was not actually official betting in vegas yeah on a scripted television show in in the springfield's most wanted they get they found some bookmaker in vegas who then had his screen and they're like can you just change it so the screen says which characters are which and you can bet on it but it was never an official thing you could bet on it was just yeah. it was so yeah that when that spread around it was just like the i get mad when the original person who makes it viral uh doesn't make clear where it was from and then just the lie spreads of like now i felt like there were people telling themselves like wow i could have bet on it being maggie and one big it's yeah. like no no and no. it makes me feel like a jerk because there's no reason i should know this and i shouldn't get <laughs> mad at you for not knowing it but yeah. for some reason both things are true i feel like a jerk and i'm also mad yeah that's true i mean we've been on the other end of just like oh that guy plays that famous guy played basketball right he's like no he played golf it's like oh well i don't know yeah. hey, give me a break i know yeah. important things like cartoons and video yeah, games yeah but but yes that was i guess that was the big viral simpsons post of the august that other than the uh the 3d printed tv was mm-hmm. probably the spreading around of the original uh odds not from that special and one thing i forgot to mention i want to go back to that hit and run thing uh friend of the show gary butterfield and his pal cole ross has been on retronauts they did an episode of uh, about uh simpsons hit and run for their podcast watch out for fireballs so oh, they revisited okay. it like 18 years later and they you know i'm not 
going to spoil the podcast, but it's a very cromulent game, <laughs> but there are really only five different kinds of missions and you do them over and over and over again. But it is really like the most authentic Simpsons experience uh, of that era. Oh, yeah. I Well, I remember it as being good as just like, oh, it finally has like jokes that are for fans of the show, not about Bart fanboys. But yeah, I'll give I'll give that a listen. So one thing I forgot to mention is that like three days before our next talk to the audience, there will be the season premiere of season 33 of The Simpsons. Mm. Technically, it's production episode 17 of, of season 32. I see. Yes, we know that. But it's broadcast <laughs> episode one of season 33, and it's an episode starring Kristen Bell as Marge's singing voice, which I think we reported on earlier. Yes, that was announced at Comic-Con as their musical episode. Like, it's all singing, a full music episode, full, full musical episode. Uh, so yeah, I guess we'll we'll have our reactions on the next one. And Dang. it's written by a wah 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 woman. Oh uh, wow, and not Carolyn Omine. No, it's uh, Elizabeth Kiernan Averick. Interesting. So I wow. don't know who that is, but I we mean, should look into uh, it. A new a new writer. Well, I'll definitely we'll definitely know who she is by the time we come to the next community podcast and talk about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in our final news, a big RIP. No, wait. Before that, let's go with happier news. Yes. Someone actually built the <laughs> hammer from the Homer is in love with Thomas Edison episode. There's a whole mm -hmm. YouTube video about it. And it's just as dangerous as it is in the show. Yeah, it was pretty funny to watch the guy use it. He's like, uh, you have to hold the board in place with like clamps. Clamps. You got to give it the clamps. And then it it will shake the shit out of you. Like it's the moving a hammer like that. The, the motion has to go somewhere into your body. And so you're just going to be jarred around and it's so unwieldy that you can't like even get a hammer to go down in it anyway. Uh, the, yeah, but he did show that just like as Homer learned, it is really good at destroying drywall. Like if you put it on yeah. your wall, it'll smash a hole real good, but it won't carry you across the room like it did with Homer. And yes. yeah, the YouTube channel is called DIY builds mm -hmm. and the episode, the, uh, the, Video is from August 28th of this year, so it's easy to find. Yeah, just posted. It's uh, it's uh, it's a good one. I got. I always appreciate when people actually go to the trouble of building or cooking or going to a thing from The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. Now make the makeup gun, but don't yeah. fire it at anybody's uh, face. Yes. No, 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 no. Just a mannequin. Uh, so up next we have some sad news in that Ed Asner passed away uh, very recently, as of this recording. Yeah, so, uh, the day before mm -hmm. we recorded this, and he. You know, he's a legend a million times over. Uh, and he did appear on one episode of Simpsons that we have covered. The uh, Homer becomes a food critic episode where he's his editor there. Yeah, the unnamed editor. Yeah. No name on this guy. Essentially Lou Grant. Yeah. They just were like, well, why don't we just make him Lou Grant? Like, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, an incredible career, decades and decades of amazing work. Like, it's. I wish these things didn't have to happen when somebody passes away, but seeing all this stuff shared about him of like, not just, Oh, great clips from him or people saying, Oh, and this thing, he was great. And this one off appearance, he was great. But also all the cool things he did for like, you know, as a, uh, a left wing uh, activist mm -hmm. type dude who would, uh, you, you know, make alienating statements, as some called it. And I like I like that he was a pissed off old, old guy. Like, that was great. This made me realize, like, that the Triforce of old men who have always been old is now gone because we lost Abe Vigoda. Right. We lost Ernest Borgnine and now Ed Asner. They were like uh, the three old, old guys that were old since I was a kid. You're right. Since before we were born, he was old. Uh, Mary, he was a cranky old man on Mary Tyler Moore. And 
and we came to the you know the sad idea it's why she was trending yesterday you know betty white still with us mm-hmm. uh but if you look at people were sharing at the you know the big final hug everybody does in mary tyler moore uh, i believe every actor in that hug except for betty white is is no uh, longer with us yeah. yeah mary tyler moore left us a few years ago i think yeah a few years ago and this year we lost cloris liegeman oh. gavin mcleod and ed asner within like a six month span well, yeah. it always happens in threes yeah. except when it doesn't except when it doesn't but no i mean and ed asner he was like he was the first j jonah jameson in my childhood because hmm. he was j jonah jameson basically just doing lou grant as well right in the 94 spider-man animated series. he was doing lots of voices in the 90s he was in uh, also freakazoid playing cosgrove yeah. who they love so much they just made him like main character in season two he was just like freakazoid's yeah. longtime friend fully drawn to be ed asner oh too. for sure yeah. yeah no and also i've been uh i'm really you know what i should have checked this uh but I'll uh, just say that like the the gargoyles they he was so great as Bronx in that show Bronx uh, right uh, Broadway no he was uh, whatever whoever he was New York name New York name he was great and I kept worrying like oh man if they were ever to do a throwback they got to do it now because he's still with us like and now finally a member of the cast is gone and he uh yeah actually greg wiseman the creator of uh, gargoyles he just posted a a farewell to ed asner and just uh yeah it's it's uh it's very sad oh wow oh man actually he oh wow his his father uh greg weisman's father went through a uh, a health issue on the same day ed asner passed oh, away wow. it sounds like Really hard stuff for him. Yeah, but, uh, he was the voice of Hudson. Hudson, by the way. Yes. thank you. Thank and you. another thing uh, that made me mad that shouldn't have is that people were sharing that Teen Titans Go clip with Cosgrove uh, and yeah. saying, "Wow, Ed Asner could still do this and in '91. I can't believe it. He's dead now." That wasn't him. Yeah, it wasn't. That yeah, wasn't yeah. him. No, I sorry. mean, sorry, sorry, sorry to make you sad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, well, I mean, uh, he was great and up. I watched a scene of him appearing on like that uh Allison Janney sitcom mom and I was like wow he's really great in this thing I'd never watch but and I like I was seeing everyone share clips of things I'd never seen like wow he played Mark Maron's dad on that really short-lived Mark Maron show right oh man and also the that story Michael Moore shared about him did you see that one that was so great that he just sent a message to a celebrity about uh his playing for Roger and me and Ed Asner replied to him, like, I never heard of you before, kid, but here's 500 bucks. Like, good luck. Like, He's like, my dad was not a worker or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I, I, that's, again, Ed Asner felt like a real guy. I see all of these lame-o rich libs now who became TV stars who make you know some good news or whatever <laughs> ed asner he's the real deal like he never it felt like he never lost his working class bona fides, yeah he was you know? true to himself yeah. uh, sorry p ed asner what a long storied life 91 yeah 91 i uh, that we could live a tenth of the life he lived mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be quite a life so coming up next news about us it's all happy news thankfully because uh batman the animated series is the winner of our fall 2021 miniseries poll Um, what was that oh batman um i like the batman and robin theme more Uh, okay bum bum (laughs) bum bum 
that's that's my favorite. That's but, a good one. Uh, so we'll announce the episodes we've chosen soon. But until then, look forward to its launch on October 29th. And I just got the art back from one of our artists, Maddie Cop, for the uh, cover art for the series. It looks great. Oh, yeah. I'll put some of it on Twitter very, very soon. Yeah, I can't wait. We, we're we picking our 10 favorite episodes. We're not going to do chronological because it's, you know, almost 100 episodes of the series. So, yes. Uh, let's pick and choose some any random episode of Batman is worth talking about, but you want to hear the ones me and Bob love the most. Yes. Yeah. And I will say just to quiet any fears. Yes, we will not do episodes that you personally love a lot, but we will not stop talking about Batman as long as we're alive. So there's a yes. chance we'll talk about more. But the ones that we have chosen, I think there are some obvious great ones, but I think we've also chosen some ones that are secretly good that you don't remember. Yeah, yeah. And not Underdwellers. Don't worry. Yes. We didn't like <laughs> joke pick one of the worst ones. Yeah. Uh, so yes, please look forward to that. It's starting on October 29th for patrons of the $5 level and higher at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Sign up there to hear that and the rest of our miniseries we've done for the past four plus years. There's a lot waiting for you there if you're not a patron yet. And we cannot wait to dig into this series. It's our first like non-sitcom miniseries we've done. Yeah, yeah. And we've had so much fun. You know, if you haven't listened before to our What A Cartoons where we covered Batman's uh, the, the Heart of Ice episode and the Almost Got Him episodes. Mm. Those were both such a good time. And same with our uh, What a Cartoon movie. Our very first one was that's Batman right. Mask of the Phantasm. Almost three years ago now. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, that's Batman. It's coming on October 29th and it'll run till the end of the year. Ten episodes for patrons. So let's talk about our What a Cartoon September schedule. It is all crap <laughs> except for the movie. But we have a lot of fun with this crap, including something I'd only learned about through uh, this podcast. The first episode this uh, coming month in September is Mortal Kombat. The journey begins this basically commercial for the world of Mortal Kombat. It's half bad 2D animation, half bad CGI, and Matt McMuscles is joining us mm. on that podcast. We couldn't imagine talking about a horrific video game cartoon without Matt. He was so excited to come on and talk about it. Uh, it It is a commercial they sold you for $15 mm-hmm. and it's hideous. And there's a really, I, I dug deep in the research to try to find out about it. So, uh, and I think you guys will really love hearing uh, Matt uh, had a lot of fun with us too and finally we finally reached it uh our one patron was threatening to do this to us for a while but finally we have gotten to laverne and shirley in the army and it is trash it's total trash. but we have so much fun with one of the worst cartoons we've ever done on the show is it the worst one we've ever done well mortal Kombat journey begins is worse than it, i guess it, I, I guess it is yeah. less entertaining but yeah, it's less entertaining it's worse lower budget and at the very least like we got legitimate laughs from hearing penny marshall just go like we're in a rocket ship and her being man hungry yes yeah i but yes Devin, you finally got your wish you yeah. talk about laverne and shirley in the army with us and i i think it was a really fun episode too and you'll you guys will learn a lot about the happy days of verse which this uh, show is part of <laughs> one of nine spinoffs i think yes yeah at least nine. i it's got to be even more than that and man. if you like ron palillo uh, look out doesn't? horshack yeah. he's in this episode <laughs> r.i.p horshack i checked it's not horshack and also coming up at the end of the month it is uh road to el dorado for our what a cartoon movie patrons of course if you're on the five dollar feed or the free feed you'll hear our extended free preview of that episode if you want to hear the whole thing our entire look at the road to el dorado dreamworks 2d movie from 2000 you'll have to be at the ten dollar level or higher at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and it's kind of a flavor uh two previous movies combined in flavor because you got elton john in a jungly setting mm-hmm. uh for the soundtrack tim and, rice as well and and with Tim Rice, yes. And then also you've got 
a beard wearing Kevin Klein cartoon character mm-hmm. with an uh, with a humanistic horse who's his friend. It's so, a secret Hunchback. sequel to Hunchback and Lion King yes, yeah, in many ways. I guess really it's like Katzenberg's like these were the things I wanted to do in Lion King. I I mean I'm also ready to dig into it too because uh you know a co-director or I think maybe in in credit he's not a full director but David Silverman was hired to work on it and did for a time, but uh, then bounced off the project. It sounds, I have a feeling him and DreamWorks were not a good fit. Did yeah. he go to DreamWorks and then Pixar? It was Pixar right after, yeah, I think. Okay, and then uh, back to The Simpsons. Yeah, I believe his uh, thing was DreamWorks like probably paid a big bounty to get him, then it didn't work out on Road to El Dorado. He leaves to become a co-director on Monsters, Inc. to help them fashion that into a movie because monsters inc came out oh one a year after rotel dorado mm. so i would guess he probably just hopped over to uh to pixar and flew up to our neck of the woods oh, david silverman was living here yeah. when i wasn't unfortunately yeah. we should ask him what his favorite places around berkeley were Ooh, or emeryville yeah. <laughs> uh so yes that is it for the schedule for september mortal kombat the journey begins then laverne and shirley in the army and then the movie will be rotel dorado and uh, as for next month's movie in october we are having another yes no vote to go online with our new uh, Batman series. By the way, it's named Blabbing About Batman the Animated Series or Blabbing About BTS. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make it alliterative, and the logo that we have that Manny put together is amazing. But uh, amazing. to go along with this uh, you know, new miniseries, we're going to have a poll that will be a movie related to it, and the poll will be a yes-no vote for Batman Beyond Return of the Joker for October. So should we do it? Should we not do it? It'll be a yes-no vote coming up uh, in the beginning of September. You'll be able to vote on next month's movie if you're a $5 and up patron. After we cover original batman beyond i was like god everybody's favorite thing that batman beyond ever was was return of the joker everybody wants to to hear us talk about that and it's such a gorgeous film that also has like it was tms at there at the peak tms of the late 90s like the same great guys who are working on cyber six mm-hmm. uh, then they work on this at, at with a movie uh with a direct-to-video movie budget and then on top of that it has this crazy story of after columbine they slash so much of uh, the of the violence from it and then and then due to popular demand they then re-release the pg-13 more violent cut i only saw it once and it was on a train on an ipod classic so (laughs) i want to see it on my 4k tv yeah on hbo max you can finally check it out there so yes but if you guys don't want to do that one and no wins then we'll do a traditional regular poll that we'll figure out later Mm -hmm. but i have a feeling you listeners want to hear us talk about return of the joker i think so it's uh, we're gonna go batman crazy in october you know it's kind of spooky it was a kind of spooky movie the joker is a scary guy Mm -hmm. and he has uh, you know a bunch of sidekicks who dress up so yeah that's it for news about us now we could talk about what we've been watching and playing that we're shockingly not podcasting about so <laughs> um i actually i played about one hour of video game total on my entire month in canada i feel like a sellout i just i was spending time with my wife oh boo who would have been perfectly side. fine if i played video games but you're just never home yeah yeah well uh, once uh, like vancouver is opening up more so yeah. uh you the last time you were there you spent quite a lot of time just at home so i can see yeah. why you're like let's go to a movie let's go eat at a restaurant it was kind of the opposite of our last uh, time together in which we were never home we came mm-hmm. home at night and just would watch a movie or something and then go to bed and then leave immediately in the morning that's like you're on things. vacation but at home a yes. staycation if you will the only kind of vacation you can take now yeah, if you yeah. want to stay safe yep uh so uh when i came back home i started gaming again because again i'm lonely and my wife is two thousand miles away so <laughs> i wrapped up the second famicom detective club game i finished both of them they're both totally worth playing even though they're a bit dated they're a gap in nintendo's history we're only getting now 
Uh, but they're great. I, I really mm. enjoyed my time with them. They're like I 10 hour this. adventure games. So, oh, just yeah. a nice digestible 10 hours. I like that. Some adventure games, they overstay their welcome, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm playing now. I started it up about a week ago. Uh, the first Great Ace Attorney game in the new Great Ace Attorney collection. I'm already like bowled over by it. It's mm. already going to be a very long game because normally with Ace Attorney games, the first trial is like an hour or 90 minutes. Uh, to get you into the idea of like here's what you do here's what the mechanics are this one was like four hours long Whoa. and uh, lots of fun twists that I did not see coming like I thought I knew how these games went and I really don't at this point so Ooh, a lot of fun surprises man. and I really recommend that it's only 40 bucks on every platform it's so great it's finally out in America I, I saw the funny uh, tweet you retweeted of people showing off like five characters on screen yes. at once what the and like a camera moving behind a character walking in the courtroom yeah because if you played past ace attorney games they rarely broke from the format of like you see one person on one side the camera moves one person's on the other side and the witness is in the middle or the person giving testimony is in the middle mm. now there are different angles in the courts oh uh, crazy things with, can happen <laughs> the camera can move with three-dimensional characters yeah. in a three-dimensional space crazy <laughs> i mean the other games were in 3d the last two but this one is really right, taking right. advantage of the format like they really figured out what they could do yeah that's right the the crossover with Layton was that was yeah 3D, wasn't and it? five yeah. and six yes yeah, so yeah. they've done it before but this is the best looking one it's scaled up really nice on the switch because they're like cel-shaded graphics so yeah. and and hey herlock sholmes who he sounds like a cool character different guy than the guy you're thinking of oh, right. but uh, he's not sherlock holmes by the way yes but uh, herlock sholmes he's a fun character and uh i just met him in the game so wow, that interested is a... in seeing like what happens with him that is a slow burn mm-hmm. that's interesting and i'm also playing uh uh, it's a game that came out as soon as I left. Everyone was talking about it like the second I left America for Canada, but Death's Door. Mm. So before I left for Canada, I played Hyperlight Drifter. It took me a while to get around to it. I played it and I was like, eh, it was okay. I don't see what the big deal was. It was fine. People people really liked it, but I, I just kind of left me cold. Death's Door is the version of that game I wanted to play. Oh. It's also a Zelda-like, but I think it's much better made. It's oh, like okay. a much more well-crafted Zelda-like, and it's, again, a tidy like 15 hours long. That sounds like I, I haven't heard anything about that story it's I, I all about birds you start as a crow oh, with a sword wow, there we go so okay. <laughs> yes it's a very fun little zelda like game and uh it just came out like in july wow. so i'm only getting around to it now I'm, I'm towards the end like about 12 hours in it's fun to play games when they're fresh though too and everyone's mm-hmm. talking about it yeah. i feel like if i weigh in on it now people will just be like yeah that was the summer it's <laughs> it's early september what are you talking september, about we're moving on to uh madden now madden's yeah. out. talk about that in terms of watching stuff uh i so i spent after our last talk to the audience, I spent another two weeks in Canada, and now I'm two weeks into America, the bad country. I'm back. <laughs> but I still have a few things I need to talk about in Canada in that I saw a lot of movies in theaters. Movies are back. Old movies, in my case, because yeah. I saw a lot of classics in 4K. I saw Rear Window, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, and the Castle of Cogliostro in uh 4k wow yes man. and terminator before uh, that in 4k seeing all those in 4 i mean you know the 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 ultimate is to see it in like the original like 35 millimeter prints or whatever but those aren't getting shared around all no, that much no. these 4k restorations are as close as you can get in the digital form these days and they look i mean i've just seen those 4k like dvds i have watched a 4k restoration of not uh not uh the lupin film but of other miyazaki stuff uh from like fathom events and stuff and it does really look good but that i was said i 
the it was a theater all the way in the city to, mm. to see Lupin and was I was the like, Roxy the Roxy it was the Roxy yeah. yeah and I'm like I've seen Cagliostro so many times it almost felt like not not worth the 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 link the how far I'd have to go to get it wasn't that far for me so yeah, it was that, definitely worth it that's nice man and Rear Window and Raiders oh man to see Raiders with a crowd like and you all react to it naturally that sounds awesome I think it was my fourth time seeing Rear Window in a the theater wow. but it was Nina's first time so oh, it was fun cool. to watch it with her that's cool I I was just reminded of Rear Window because of another thing I was watching, but I'll talk about that later. And one last thing is that normally uh, Nina and I would watch a lot of movies in Canada, but on this trip she got me into Game Center CX, this Japanese show. It's been running for like 18 years now, in which this comedian, most of the show is him playing through a game with help from his assistants Mm -hmm. and usually finishing a very hard like Famicom game by the end of the show. So like we did a Retronauts about it in 2014 because Ray Barnholt was one of the first American fans. He built a web site uh, that is an episode guide for the show yeah, and our, um, our pal ray is like he's been proselytizing arino uh, the bible of arino for decades now definitely and i feel like a uh, philistine because i watched one for that podcast and i was like yeah this is all right i like it but i never <laughs> went back to it i think it's because at that point i've been running for like uh, almost 10 years and I was like there's just so much to catch up on but now Nina finally got me into it because in case you didn't know Nina was one of the early translators of it when it was being brought over for the first time and she knows all the people who work on the show she's done official artwork for them and like after we were watching the show she was like oh here's a picture of me with Arino here's a picture of me with this oh, person that that's person so cool so I was happy to learn about that part of my wife's life but also I was just addicted to the show so every time we had downtime. I was like, can we watch Game Center CX again? And she was totally fine with it, even though she had seen uh, them all uh, up to a point. That's that's funny. That's like after you guys uh, binged all of the U.S. office together. At the end of it, she's like, so here's my picture with Steve Carell. I yeah. call him Steve. You know, yeah, I, uh, I got his phone number. Yeah, but that's yeah. I, uh, I I was surprised it took you this long to really. I mean, I I've only watched like a few scant episodes here and there. But I mean, what? The Arno his his series is so like uh, influential. Like and now every YouTube channel is just like watch a guy play a thing and and, yeah. and live with him in the playing of it. People you know? have called him the first Let's Player, and that's that's partially true. I mean, it was the yeah. first like popularized Let's Player, not in America. But I did on my finale uh, before I left for America. We watched the Arno comes to America special, the two hour special, and I love. So I was in America when Arno was, right, and I was right. aware of him. He came to San Francisco. He went to the Musée Mécanique in one arcade. He could have went to GameSpot. He could have went to GamePro. He could have went to IGN. He could have went to one up. He did not go to any website. <laughs> he went to two places and then left. Uh, I was like, that is kind of awesome. That's great. That, it, that's the one where he there's the picture of him meeting Ray. In yeah, it. yeah, he went to LA, wow. and that's where Ray Barnholt in the in the blue jumpsuit met Arino. Uh, I I've seen. I remember a clip from the USA one of him. Like I think he's up in Marin. And and behind him is the Golden Gate Bridge, and he's just like, this, well, this bridge sucks. It's lame. It's not. We got a cool rainbow bridge in Tokyo. This bridge is just what red. Rainbow bridge is better. Um, yeah. But yeah, he went to an arcade that's now shut down. He went to Musée Mécanique, which is still open. And I was like, I played the same game Arino did. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I was so I got to watch that USA one again. It's I great. Guess. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's so cool that you could experience it too with you know a person who worked on the series. Yeah, Nina's done a lot of work for them. She's done like uh, cover art for. DVDs. She did a version of the Love Letter card game uh, featuring all the staff of the game. Wow. So there's a version of Love Letter you can buy in Japan that's about Game Senior CX that she did the art for. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. yes, uh, it was fun learning that part of her life because that I already kind of knew about, but not enough. Mm. And the game, the show is very entertaining too. So 
Uh, well, for me this month, it's uh, it, it's been a lot of playing one game. Uh, it's because Hades, which I already played 120 hours of last year and was my game of the year for last year, I then got it on Xbox. It's on Xbox Game Pass, so you don't even have to be like, hey, should I buy it again? It we're We have Game Pass, so uh, my husband and I have both been playing it so much, like, I, I have it on the big TV and then if he, he'll have it on the, like we have a computer monitor next to it or he'll play it in the steam version too. Mm. Uh, he platinum did on the PS five. Wow. I I'm working my way through platinum. You're the reason why I haven't really started getting into it because I'm afraid. Cause uh, I like my new thing is like, I want to beat a ton of games every year, but I feel like I'll just be stuck on Hades. If I pick it up, if it, if it clicks for you, then yes, it will be what you play for a while. And I, I think I've put another four, 40 or 50 hours on wow. it just well because it is really relaxing for me to listen to a podcast while just going through familiar stages and like okay mm. can i do this better this time boom boom, 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 boom. fight this fight this maybe like, i'll uh, play a little more while i listen while I, I did this podcast it's a perfect thing like the podcast is on the top level and at the bottom level is you playing a game so they both can interact with each other it's not a game it actually does have a really great story and you can pause to read stuff but once you get past the story which i like i'm just flying through the story because i already experienced it i can just like just in veg out for like three hours easy and just hmm. be like oh where where did my sunday afternoon go <laughs> uh and i did play a few hours of psychonauts 2 which is also on game pass it is really great. It is the sequel to Psychonauts you always wanted. I have been so disappointed by spiritual sequels that were crowdfunded for the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, this one actually oh. pays off and is really good. I forgot it was crowdfunded through like Fig or something. That's one right. of those weirdo yeah. ones. Well, because while it was that, then Microsoft bought them. And so it's a Microsoft game too. So it's kind of, it's complicated. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm so glad it's a good game because uh, I understand nostalgia makes you like things a lot. I don't quite get the nostalgia for the first game but in a way i do because i bought that first game new i bought the bad version of it for playstation 2 oh god it was such a difficult game to play it's not like a hard game but it's just a very ugly game with bad mm -hmm. controls and wonky platforming but the story that you're you know fighting to get through was worth it so i'm glad that this game actually has good gameplay yes because yeah. it's not 2003 we know how <laughs> characters move in 3d we're not making an xbox uh, original game anymore though it does feel like a throwback to old 3d platformers which uh, is kind of what i wanted and on top of that uh it it has a thing that happens to me in every double fine game of like well, I have to talk to these people until they repeat a line because yes. every line of dialogue is funny. I have to hear each one. And someone had to work hard to write that. Yeah. Uh, and then I still am playing Bloodborne uh, deep into it. And I think it's my favorite of the three Souls games I played. It's now my new favorite. Mm. I, I've played the Demon Souls remake for PS5, uh, Dark Souls 1 on Xbox, and now Bloodborne. And I think Bloodborne's my favorite. I just love the speed of it, mm. uh, you know? I yeah. stop being a timid, ba timid baby with my shield up. They all say the no time. more shields. Mm -hmm. Shields are for cowards. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's got the best lore and the best tone. I think I might like Dark Souls one the best just because it hit me at the right time in the right place. But Bloodborne, I think, is my favorite of the sequels. And yeah. make it, give it a PC port, give it a PS5 upgrade, give it something. I know. Sixty frames per second. It needs to happen. There were rumors of a PS5 
upgrade. It still hasn't happened yet. But I mean, I guess they they don't want to. The Souls folks wouldn't want to distract from Elden Ring, I which suppose. is also which is just a PS4 game. It's yes. not actually a next gen game. I know what a lie. We're not but... making those yet. <laughs> uh, as for watching, I could go on and on about this, but I did watch Evangelion: Thrice Upon a Time. I actually did a really crazy thing, which was the day it came out, I watched all three previous films with the new english dub and then i watched it with the then i watched the fourth film with the dub hmm. and then after that a week later i re-watched it subtitled and yeah it's amazing i won't spoil anything it really is great how how is the new english dub with the actors who are now like 25 years older than they were before you know the sadly the one who sounds the oldest to me is misato's voice i mm. think her uh, allison keith sounds a little little old to me uh spike spencer maybe maybe they're pitching it up but he still sounds pretty good as old shinji and same with uh, asuka tiffany grant uh you know she sounds really good in the role and i think their directions too though it's so i had expected it to be the netflix cast uh but so basically it is essentially the funimation and adv cast or like you know the five big ones but they are more hewing to the spirit of the subtitles than they did in funimation there's mm. not as much coloring outside of the lines but I still feel like the actors own their choices a lot more. And there's, and you know, it's, there's no secret that this film is, Anno has said, all the productions said like, this is the last one and all that. And part of the, the power of the film, and this extends to the Japanese dialogue as well, is if you grew up with it for decades, you hear the voices you grew up with still saying the, still saying new lines as these characters scenes affect you even okay. heavier yeah i'm thinking of once i'm done with my current one piece arc at the gym i might download these to my tablet uh, via amazon prime and watch them there just yeah. to go through them all um yeah I, I i didn't like the first one and that's why yep. i've never watched the rest but i know the first one is like the anomaly when i rewatched the first one i was like man this uh, again it's just it like the first six episodes right yeah i feel like it was ano made it boring on purpose as a statement of like if, if you wanted a remake this is why it would be boring and i have to do crazier stuff in the next ones but i and, and it is accompanied by an NHK documentary, two hours long, mm. about the making of the film over four years with with Anno. And it's very funny that there are many scenes of Anno saying that he wants to delegate and then choosing not to delegate and saying like, oh, this all sucks. I have to do it all over myself. And I just really hope uh, Kazuya Suramaki is now free. He's like the director of all those movies. He's the yeah. fully Cooley guy. Of course, he's got a long history before that, but I want him to make something else. In that documentary, Suramaki is one of the many tired men going like, well, this is I knew it coming in. This <laughs> is what he does every time. But it's even there's hilarious stuff in the doc of Anno talking to the documentary filmmaker telling them how to make the documentary of like he keeps saying like stop filming me i'm not interesting talk to those people that's that's where your story is in this doc like he can't he can't not give director notes to others mm. when they're filming him even. and man nine years between uh the third movie and the fourth movie yep actually yeah. i was like at one up when the third movie came out and people went to japan to see it oh man and who to yeah and, and also they talk about how the the pandemic impacted it as well it's that's uh, uh so yes if you watch thrice upon a time but haven't watched the Anno documentaries yet give those a watch too they are great but only watch them after you've seen the movie you got to see the movie first don't watch them mm. beforehand obviously 
Uh, also been doing rewatch of Sopranos. Uh, almost done with season two. That show is the greatest. It's turn you into a drinker. I've and heard. I, I I have a sip of whiskey every time Tony sips whiskey. Have you looked into yes. the Gabagool uh, fields? Uh, I did. I did make some uh, Capellini pasta recently, uh. which is angel hair pasta. Uh, and me and Bob and my husband, we watched Rift Tracks as Hobgoblins in the theaters. That's right. It was great. Uh, so uh, as soon as Connor, our, our buddy Connor Lestoka, uh, was doing the intro, I was like, "That's Connor." Yeah. I loved it i knew we all met, and he wrote uh him and his pals wrote a really funny uh new set of riffs on hobgoblins and it mm-hmm. was extra funny to see the like five minutes or so that were cut out of the sci-fi channel original airing yeah. of it for lots their of jokes. unfunny phone sex jokes yeah yeah they in 99 they were right to cut those jokes but now it was <laughs> they they had good jokes for it in the more in the dirtier world of riff tracks maybe our buddy connor could tell us more about this but my speculation is like the director for hobgoblins was there and in the first place he submitted the movie to mystery science theater because i think he wanted to like give make himself a name like make yes, himself like that's... a celebrity of bad movies and i bet he thought he'd have more to do with the show because he was not like brought on stage he was not like introduced he didn't do any like bits with them so i feel like maybe he thought this was like another chance yeah it was or he could have just been a nice guy who knows he he brought a real hobgoblin with him like one of the classic original hobgoblins uh i watched all the show jellystone it's it's better than i expected it would be though obviously if you if you don't like uh chowder spongebob style cartoons well this is more of it you probably won't like this one but i i liked jellystone and finally, I went on a big trip to Chicago to see pro wrestling. Uh, CM Punk, my favorite pro wrestler who retired uh, for seven years. His absence was almost as long as Evangelion's. What was he uh, doing for seven years? Uh, wasting his time. Uh, basically, so he was so fed up with wrestling and burned out, he just stopped. Then he said, I want to try being an MMA star. And he really is not good at doing MMA fighting and lost poorly in two fights. Then after that, he's like, I'm going to try to be an actor. And he's kind of, he's, he's appeared in some stuff. But really, it's like wrestling is what he should be. But he just, I can totally feel for CM Punk. They're like, we got so burnt out on the games press that you're like, no, I'd never come back to that. Yeah. Fuck that out. And that's kind of how he felt about wrestling. But being in the United Center where they do the Bulls games and where they play, to see CM Punk enter and he rekindle his love of wrestling live in front of us and everybody's crying it was beautiful man i'm not tapped into wrestling but i knew it was a big deal based on like the twitter response every wrestling fan was coming out of the woodwork because it was it was amazing it was a thing you never thought would happen for seven years and if you did think it would happen you figure he'd go back to wwe not go to the new hot brand aew Mm. Uh, and also i went to chicago which was very nice i i had a lou malnati's deep dish pizza uh, everybody was saying now oh, that's a great one to have now people are telling me I ah, should have gone to Pequod's or you should have gone to Giordano's or whatever I, I purposely just post food tweets to annoy people now <laughs> because I know they'll correct me or say you're eating that well I'm scared to say this on Twitter but you listeners can hear it uh oh uh oh I know where you're going with this too I like Lumalnati's good it's a really good deep dish pizza but Chicago transplant Zachary's that is based in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and is local here I like that deep dish pizza I more than zachary have not been or there the, in yeah, almost two years thanks to the pandemic but uh, now i'm craving it uh well if you buy one if you buy a small it'll last you for the rest of the month yes yeah. <laughs> uh it is a gigantic pizza and you're going back to chicago soon too yes, going to chicago for birthday week to see even more pro wrestling you know we're vaccinated 
it's masked indoors at that uh, there's stuff going around but i feel like this is our last trip we're going to get to do and wrestling is so hot right now yeah. i want to see it but... and you're being tested when you come back so yes, you will yeah, not infect yeah. me yes yeah. and uh, i'm protected too yeah hopefully uh, obviously we're, uh, we're we'll get a negative when we're yes. back i think we'll get we'll take uh, I, I trust this vaccine i i just i'm used to being over tested for going to canada because it's like i have to uh get a test before i leave and then i'm tested when i land and then i have to get tested before i leave again or they won't let me on the plane <laughs> so it's just like i need three tests meanwhile if you want to fly to just a different state they're like get on yeah. whatever spit in our face how so. high is your fever oh come on it's fine <laughs> though they still are pretty strict on like seriously unless you are actively eating or drinking on this plane you keep that mask up you don't Though now they're serving alcohol again on the flights, which I'm like, this is a recipe for disaster, mm. guys. I don't yeah. know. It could be a calm. I mean, I guess if you limit the alcohol, because uh, when I flew to Ohio at the end of June, I think it was, I was surprised to see alcohol was back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I guess it can have a calming effect on most people, but I also feel like half the people you see in the viral videos of guy punching someone on an airplane yeah somebody's drunk I, I think he was those people are drunk before they get on the plane ah uh, because they know they can't drink on the plane so they get like yeah way loaded at the bar or they can't get an alcohol fast enough on the plane to get mm. drunk so it's just like i'm having five beers at the uh for 22 dollars each at the airport oh, bar boy, yeah man, yeah but midway midway is a nice airport mm. i like o'hare is the fancier one but i kind of like midway more because i'm out of that way faster it's way smaller than o'hare i, I love the vancouver airport why we are i look forward to seeing that uh someday you'll, you'll fly in there someday yeah uh yes let's move on to questions and comments for talking simpsons up first we have the way we was and joe hodgson says this episode is one that just gets too brooksy for me in the last act homer's sad sack routine outside the auditorium and closing moments in the car is too much i can't decide if his whole i got a problem speech at the end is too clever for his character or appropriately sappy in the sense that he may have heard a similar line on television or in a movie and he's regurgitating it here i just find myself disappointed in marge and that she falls for such a corny line and it's the foundation for their relationship but i suppose that's part of her character and we're supposed to think she's too good for homer this one ends up being probably my least favorite of the flashback stories as a result and that is from joe hodgson and yeah, uh yeah. yeah i mean it's not as punchy and jokey as the other ones because they hadn't fully discovered the uh the rhythm of it yet uh but also yeah i think they they play it too hard that like oh yeah marge is slumming it to be with homer and yeah i guess like joe says though it does support what is said later that like uh homer's utter dependence on her <laughs> is what is the foundation of their marriage that's a more realistic homer speech i feel like and we just covered old money so spoilers for i don't know november or whenever that episode comes up in our timeline right uh that is another case of like these 25 year old writers going to 50 year old jim's Bro jim brooks and saying we don't know mm -hmm. we don't know sentimentality you're the terms of endearment guy help us out and he's like here's what a james l brooks character would say but that's not what homer would say i know yeah they they don't but they just let it go and stay in his mouth of like nah just have a james l brooks line in there i think it works better in way we was than in old money for yeah sure. but i think it is homer sincerely saying that i don't think it's him imitating something or oh else yeah that that would be the joke i yeah, think they, yeah. they play it up more i i think it is very intentional phrase by homer but uh as in his character was saying it but also on that episode kaiser beam says as a lover of old music, I need to point out that Van McCoy's The Hustle being played in this episode is actually an anachronism. This episode specifically takes place in 1974. The Hustle was released as a single on April 18th, 1975, where it would be the song of the summer and help usher disco in as a mainstream force. 
Another less egregious musical anachronism is in the scene where Homer is in his bedroom listening to average white band's funk classic, Pick Up the Pieces. While that song did come out in 1974, it wouldn't come out until July of that year. This episode is implied to take place in spring, which, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's the prom. The mm-hmm. prom happens in spring. So uh, thank you, Kaiser Beam, for that. Yeah. You know, Kaiser Beam knows a lot of stuff. I did not know he knew this much about 70s music. You know what? The that. hustle, that fact was in my notes. But in the moment, I was like, this is not important. That just proves <laughs> that every fact is important. Every and fact, I should say every one. We should stop every time and make uh, make guys like Jeff Dutton here. Yes. Every fact we know, but <laughs> uh, but pick up the pieces. I did not know that fact. So oh, yeah. some anachronisms there. I didn't even clock that song as uh, a famous song in Homer's bedroom either. I felt like I caught every song. That man, the song licensing rights for this oh. episode—they spent so much money. Yeah, there's no special like Hulu version of this with uh, you know Muzak. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad on Disney Plus it has every song preserved. They'll pay that for the Simpsons for a lot of stuff. They won't pay it, but for no. Simpsons, I'll pay it. Actually, when I was in. Uh, Vancouver we've been watching a few like uh, Melrose places and 90210s <laughs> because our friends at We Hate Movies they have their Melrose 210 podcast that covers both shows and yeah there is some like really funky bad music they put in in place of licensed music also that doesn't fit the time period at all oh uh, that's terrible so there'll be that's... like a rap rock song in like a 1991 episode because uh, they took out like the color me bad or the guns and roses song that's terrible I've, yeah. I've heard the same thing happens to all the old Baywatches, and that the Baywatch super fans are like we'll take the hd cut of it that's out there now and then we personally will match it up with the original soundtrack taped off of tv people have done that with daria too yeah as they should it's it doesn't the fact that the the reason you watch them is for the nostalgia of the songs you heard as a kid so if you don't hear those then what's the point yeah i don't want to hear this library music so <laughs> moving on to tennis the menace uh joe hodgson is back to say and be our nipple expert actually oh so he's talking about nipplegate the janet jackson justin timberlake scandal that rocked the world of two 2004. Joe Hodgson says when Nipplegate occurred, I was as into sports as I probably ever would be or will be, so I frequented many sports message boards at the time and was exposed to the Janet Jackson nipple pick quite frequently. It was actually not a pasty, but an elaborate nipple piercing that was shaped like a sun or flames or something. I could look it up for confirmation, but I'm all set with that. Uh, it did indeed leave the center of the nipple exposed, the most offensive part of the nipple. I don't know how our nation uh, endured. Yes, and again, what uh, what we just invaded Afghanistan mm, at yeah. this point in time. Like, and we're like the, a nipple Blowing on broadcast television everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I should always, I'm going to remember that fact from now on. I've said pasty so many times, but it's much more exciting that it is like an extravagant gold nipple piercing that was revealed to the world. And I think you only saw it because there were photographers there on your SD TV in 2004 oh, yeah. for like the 1.3 seconds. Her top was off. Uh, and again, it, but it was, I, it still bugs me. It was so intentional. Like yeah. they did that on purpose. The wardrobe malfunction. What a dumb thing to say. But Every, how many bad jokes did that spawn? That's what makes me the uh, most mad about yeah, it. Yeah, that actually is. It's uh, aside from the censoring of butts on Simpsons. That's its uh, most horrible legacy. Uh, so Harry Thornton also said on that episode. Notes on Disney's restoration process. Their whole philosophy seems to be trying to replicate what the cells and background look like when you see them in real life. The problem there, of course, is that that never was the artist's or animator's intention and has led to infamous errors like the lines and details in Cinderella's dress getting removed or colors in Pinocchio not looking right. I think it was either Frank Thomas or Ollie Johnson who saw one of these restorations and said, paraphrasing, 
that looks nice but it's not what we were going for originally mm -hmm. and yeah that's you know uh that's the danger of a lot of those restorations if you don't involve at least an expert on the film because you know filmed flaws uh, things that look like flaws can often be intentional you know and i often miss just the graininess of oh, film sure. especially i mean all the 4k restorations i saw were good they did not ruin they didn't compromise the integrity of the image at all but it's like if i see rear window i would love to see an old print of it even if it would the colors were washed out yeah. and even if the sound wasn't as good it'd be cool just to see the age and the grain <laughs> and the hairs and the dust i don't i don't want to feel like an old man of just like no you can feel the physical th presence on screen but you really can and it's just so sad to me with the disney restorations that mess muck up all that stuff because the those are the parts that live forever and mm -hmm. these are like it's crazy that disney both wants to talk up the timelessness of their library of films but also wants to smooth them out as much as possible don't for, just forget when they came out but they're timeless yes yeah <laughs> They've been around forever. So up next, we have uh, Homer versus Lisa in the Eighth Commandment. And Kat Hegberg says, just realized that all this time I thought I knew who Troy Donahue was, but I actually only knew the lyric. As for you, Troy Donahue, I know what you want to do from Greece. And that's it. That's the extent of my knowledge. Anyone else? <laughs> and uh, Bob Mackey speaking. I've never actually seen Greece I think in any form. I think that's from uh, the Beauty School Dropout song, mm. I believe. It's, hey, you should, you know, it's a classic film. And once you watch it, you'll be like, oh, that's all the songs I've heard my whole life. Because everyone in Greece is 30 years old. I think it was not until I was a teenager that I realized, oh, these are high school students in this movie. <laughs> yes, there's some very old high school students yeah. in it. Yeah, I I think it's it's a good film. I, I mean, there's some of course parts of don't age well that's like everything but yeah troy donahue now more known in the grease musical than for any film of his that no nobody watches now unfortunately eddie deason got canceled so you can't even enjoy him anymore ah, shit yeah man that sucks i didn't know that he uh, uh would go to like local cafes with his brother to like look at waitresses and then like he wrote a really long screed about how a waitress wouldn't laugh at his like sexual harassment oh dear imagine oh. being sexually harassed by eddie deason that's a nightmare oh it D, oh that's sad that's that's yeah. uh bad bad boy did it hurt when uh, you fell from heaven uh, <laughs> that's what it would sound like you hear the man dark voice saying that stuff yeah right? yeah come on eddie <laughs> get it together uh shaxford says about that uh same episode there totally was a last channel button on the remote in 1991 and it saved my bacon several times the folks knew the boobies were on the channel 53 after 10 p.m so if they walked in and saw c-span on channel 54 or home shopping on channel 52 they'd know something was up immediately mm. and wow that this is this is more uh skinamax <laughs> strategies we're hearing I, about i here. guess it would vary upon the model and make and who your cable company was but mine not 91 by the mm. mid 90s uh yeah yeah for me yeah I, i'd say by mid 90s we got a last channel button but it was well that's also in the mid 90s when scrambled porn was even available to me in the 90s it was not well then again i guess uh before i was 13 i wasn't even looking for it anyway mm. but uh that uh, i i was wondering how many other people had their own special strategies in that era which now you know don't got to think about that clear history no. that's all you got to do <laughs> reflecting upon it i was really never being watched well, so i yeah. was never like riding that last channel button and what were your parents going to do anyway yeah they, they, you'd be awkward for all involved and you wouldn't talk about yeah, it. yeah yeah they just yeah. wanted to stay out of it yeah. and i agree with them <laughs> always knock uh so moving on to day of the jack and apes batman boy 11 says 
While this episode is frustrating for straight up ignoring Bob's last appearance in character development, and it feels like retreading in many ways, I was actually pleasantly surprised with the fact that the first act actually does relate to the plot overall in uh, the episode as well. The opening millionaire parody is borderline unnecessary, but the fact that it sets up Krusty's ratings issues and hatreds of executives, which are the ideas the episode sees through to the end. Uh, it is incredible to see in season 12 where most opening acts have absolutely nothing to do with where the episode ends. Yes. Yeah. As Matt Selman says, there is a deus ex monkina that mm, ends the plot, mm. but it is an entire story with an ending. It's not a shrug. It's not a you expected an ending. Well, fuck you kind of move. <laughs> yeah. It is actually an ending that is set up in the beginning of the episode. It It is. Uh, I never considered it that way, but with how many we've done in a row that the first act is entirely Homer going, bet you didn't see that coming. It really is impressive uh, to think about how, like, no, this starts with Krusty getting notes and getting canceled or quitting, and then it ends with his last show and exploding the same execs who ran him off. I think it's because it's a Sideshow Bob episode, and those are typically mysteries or thrillers, right? and they need to be one long story with an ending. Yeah, it's true. By the end of Act 1 you set up why Bob is coming to town and then Bob comes to town and the, and things begin. Yeah. I, that, uh, yeah, you know, that gives me more appreciation for an episode that I used to really, really hate. Uh, shy ranger also says about that episode if we're going to mention millionaire i would be hard-pressed to not mention a question that i'm sure many fans of this podcast would appreciate which of these characters was not an opponent in nintendo's popular boxing video game mike tyson's punch out a von kaiser b super macho man c soda popinski d max Payne. That question was for $50,000, and the contestant got it <laughs> wrong. Uh, oh, that's where uh, we would have shown. Man, I'd have flipped off the TV at that <laughs> point. I'd, been, I'd have smashed it. I'd been like, well, I said, this show ain't no good. But, like, man, Max Payne, like, that should just click, I guess. You know, not everybody's a gamer, but... At the very least, if you don't remember every character in Punch-Out, you should remember that there was a Mark Wahlberg movie called Max Payne, and that's not related to yeah. Punch-Out. But you know what? That was a clever choice by the writer of the show, writer of the trivia, in that Max Payne does sound like one of those other names. That's true. Yeah. That's true. If And if you're not... I guess, yeah, for us, me and you uh, both know very well A through C as characters. We see them in our head when we say when we see that. So it's easier just from elimination of like, well, I know those three are definitely characters. So it's not like they said Gabby J or whatever. No, no. Okay, listen, I have a bone to pick with uh, a bar in San Francisco. This reminded me. I want to bring uh, it up on oh, this podcast. Okay. There's a bar called Soda Popinski's mm-hmm. in San Francisco, obviously named after the Punch-Out character in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. A friend wanted to take me there. I'm like, wow, an NES theme bar. Cool. I go in there. The extent of the NES theming is there's like a power glove on the wall mm-hmm. and you can play like an NES classic. And that's it. <laughs> oh, there man. is no other theming. I was so disappointed. That is, boy. There's better arcades in the city. I was, I thought they'd uh, upped their game if they're going to no. call themselves Soda Pop They're still open. I'll go in and yell at them when COVID is over. <laughs> this reminds me, there's a, there's a bar I really love in Vancouver called Fuggles and Warlock. All of their beer is like video game theme and nerd themed. Oh, but the yeah. bar is just a regular bar and there's like five teams 
TV all with sports on them. I'm like, there should be like speed runs and like yeah. video game footage and all kinds of nerdy stuff. Like you gotta you gotta play up your theme. At if, least if have, you're gonna go with one part of it, it's gotta be the whole thing. At least have a couple games on the wall. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, boy, that that's uh, kind of disappointing. At least at least it sounds like the the beers are good though with fun with funny names. I guess they get Homer saying uh, what funny names. Uh, there was no uh, alligator with a cowboy hat on the wall. So, <laughs> so you haven't seen everything yet. Yeah, but if you're the proprietor of Soda Popinski's, I'm disappointed in you. Yeah. More video game shit, please. Buy one of those arcade one-up machines like I bought and just put it in there. Like there, now we got uh, oh. more ar- video games. I'm looking at the more footage of this or more pics of this online. There's like a tiny Donkey Kong machine on the counter. Okay. So just like barely, just barely. Anyways, this is local issues. I have not actually been to San Francisco <laughs> in like two years. Uh, this is a real local issues episode yeah. of the podcast. We're talking very local. Uh, moving on to what a cartoon comments for the Hunchback of Notre Dame. This is Bob speaking. I am happy. You guys are happy with that podcast. I poured my heart into it right before yeah. I left for Canada, and it is still our longest podcast to date. The Lion King came very close. It came close, but yeah, yeah we no Bob. Uh, Bob's passion came uh, roaring through the audio there. I think the listeners felt it too. Let's talk more about these comments and questions on this episode. So Miles DX says, if you ever get the chance to see it, there is a live musical of Disney's Hunchback that is just amazing. It actually skews closer to the book. The offensive terminology is mostly fixed. Esmeralda is killed at the end and dies while being embraced by Quasimodo while in the catacombs. Soon after, the play flashes forward to see their bony remains found in the future, only for them to turn to dust. Though what I love most is Quasimodo is shown as being deaf and during his musical numbers, which is mostly sung off key the gargoyles interpret for him via sign language the entire play is also sung with little to no spoken dialogue and yeah i think this is the the musical i mentioned in the podcast that was made for germany but then was localized for america and if it ever comes around again i will pay like your crappy hamilton prices to see it (laughs) i don't care about Uh, that i do want to see this you want to see esmeralda die i don't want to see schoolhouse rock rap i want to see disney Uh, movies on stage uh, bob who will tell your story Huh? Mm. Who will? Uh, the, the, the podcast historians of the future. Cat <laughs> uh, Hager also said about Hunchback of Notre Dame, coincidentally, just yesterday, a friend was telling me that his family went to Disney World during gay days of the 1990s once, and his non-gay dad wore a red shirt and then made the whole family go back to the hotel so he could change. I asked, didn't your dad think the fact that he was already there with his actual and probably presumed wife (laughs) signal his heterosexuality enough already? And he just said, no, my dad is from Scranton. It sounds like one of those made up stories, but I don't know this person to be someone who would make things up. So probably did go down like that. He should have held the sign that said, I'm not gay. Uh, I have sex with my wife. This is her wife. I'm wife. I have sex with her in (laughs) in the most hetero way possible. Look, here's kids. I had them with her. Missionary only. Uh, That's yeah. This it. uh, I do like the comedy of a regular ass dad. Just like, well, nice. My nice red shirt can walk around kids at Disney. Uh, And then also like wasting probably 30 minutes to go back to the hotel just to change your shirt. Just hold your wife's hand the entire time. This is save some time and buy a new shirt uh, like a buy a white shirt at disney world and throw away a red one and like say like see i'm not gay i threw that they shirt want away. 30 what 30 bucks <laughs> uh this reminded me of a story i love my stepdad but uh i went to see the south park movie with him and we did not uh, see a movie together since like aladdin like seven years had elapsed i had <laughs> wow. grown into a 17 year old and we went to the movies and i was like okay sit next to my stepdad he's like no we sit a seat apart 
And uh, I was like, oh, so people don't think you're here with your young boyfriend? So I made him <laughs> sit next to me. <laughs> uh, you know, it's the guy codes of another generation. Yeah. I think we've grown out of that. I but... always sat next to my male friends. There was yeah. never a seat between us. But How I was like, supposed to talk to them. During yeah. The movie, you know? How are you supposed to elbow them when Spider-Man shows up? Exactly. Yeah. No, I. Uh, but that's such a funny like. Uh, stepdad thing of like no 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 yeah. you're you're too old now you don't sit next to me what if yeah. the other teenagers think i'm gay <laughs> uh so yeah moving on to muppet show the stars of star wars and ron sterling says i appreciate that henson didn't want to make a show for kids especially as a parent now as he made adults uh something adults could enjoy too don piano's ex- existential ennui guy smiley's manic energy grover the waiter tormenting a hapless patron and harvey knee slappers pranking remain personal favorites likewise the music was always fantastic whether it was their original doo-wop earworms or they had a guest on to perform a prop hit i'm still known to bust out in rubber ducky and will gladly pop a sesame playlist <laughs> on youtube a lot of that spirit was carried on to nick jr's yo gabba gabba a product of aquabats frontman christian jacobs in a show i enjoyed with my son when he was young in that retrospect i think it shares a lot of the muppet shows more family-oriented dna yeah. and uh Ron goes on to share what I was talking about, about trauma, being traumatized by a sketch on Sesame Street. So uh, Ron says, I was also a victim of the Egyptian tomb sketch. One of my earliest memories is of an old church pew that evidently my psychotic parents had in lieu of a couch in the living room. So uncomfortable. When that sketch would come on, I would duck behind the pew and only watch it with my head just peering over the back. Uh, enough for me to see. Great episode, always, guys, and thanks for the nostalgia trip. Yes, an entire generation warped by the idea that Ernie the Mummy will kill you. Uh, it is scary. You know, you you're not ready for nightmare scenes of that. That's that's part of the the fun, but also the danger of Mupp- of the Muppety creations in Sesame Street. They're not they're not always careful about giving weird imagery to kids. I have been watching these YouTube videos about retired Sesame street characters mm. and they're not like the pc police censored them it's okay. like here's who they are here's why they're not on the show anymore and i know that don piano is not on the show anymore because he was a guy like the classic like 60s or 50s idea of like the frustrated songwriter yes yeah. like from that mst3k short he's like just slamming his hands on the I keys like god i can't think yeah. of a tune but he would like slam his head on the piano and they found oh. out that kids were imitating him oh okay i'd I had heard that Snuffleupagus changed to, or not, he's not gone, but that the whole thing of him, like, Big Bird saying he exists and no one believing him was like, that's a screwy thing to yeah. put on kids as well. Actually, was that on Podcast The Ride you heard that? Uh, I had heard it okay. before. I heard it on yes, Podcast yeah. The Ride for the first time. Our friends at Podcast Ride did do a big Sesame Street yeah. episode, yeah. In that the idea of, like, well, don't tell adults things because they won't believe you is a mm. bad thing to put in kids' heads. So, yes, in dangerous. one episode, they had to have all the adults see Snuffleupagus. Yes, that's right, that's uh, and also this uh, you know, this Muppet talk is coming the day that uh, Frank Oz interview in The Guardian came out that's like uh, really well it's both wistful and has some sad parts to it but Frank Oz has this funny bit of like people just talking to him and crying and he says like well yeah I, I kind of am just this signpost that people project their childhoods onto sometimes but I'm proud of that but the uh when they talk about jim henson's passing he doesn't mince words he's like the disney deal killed him that michael Mm -hmm. eisner was pushing him too hard and it exhausted him and uh he wasn't a businessman and working on that while making stuff killed him like that he's just direct (laughs) about that and is it the one time where eisner's hands were dirtier than katzenberg's i think so wow and well he says it was like eisner really wanted sesame street like this is frank uh confirming things we've read before elsewhere but and then also him saying like 
yeah i've been done with the muppets since 07 but it's not because i don't want to do it anymore like what disney wants from the muppets is not me like they they don't like how i play with the muppets Mm. i don't follow their rules and so it's uh it's a it's if you're a if you like the muppet show what a cartoon i think you will uh really like uh or or be angered by that uh, that interview in the guardian uh, also on that episode, Graham Robinson says, I, for one, don't think you need any justification to cover a puppet show. Maybe I'm biased because I'm a puppeteer myself. I used to tour the U.S. and Canada with Blacklight puppetry productions of The Very Hungry Caterpillar and Goodnight Moon, among others. But puppetry is animation. It's just live animation. And yes, it is a terrible strain on the animator's wrists. Uh, good puppetry is essentially keyframe animation. The stereotype of the Muppets may be Kermit maniacally waving his arms, but watch closely and you'll notice there's a lot of posing, punctuating those big moments. Early animation owes a lot to puppetry, so it's nice to see you guys cover arguably the most influential puppets of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I'm glad a, a real puppeteer appreciated this episode, and and I wouldn't say there's any argument about. It. I mean, what what puppet is more famous than the any than one created by the Muppets, like related mm. to the Muppets? Is know? Baby Shark a puppet? Uh, well, I, I think there have been Baby Shark puppets, but okay. he's uh, well, I guess what is a digital puppet? I suppose if Waldo C. Graphic is still technically mm. a puppet than a cgi thing that moves to match a hand movement. yeah yeah i mean to. i mean like yeah cgi characters are puppets yeah. so like why are puppets can be animation in That's a way true. if you think yeah. of it like that so yeah good point graham yeah thank you up next oh yeah speaking of muppets uh great episode of gayest episode ever recently about fraggle rock and you were on it too henry oh, we forgot to mention that up front. right yes i uh guys listen to my gayest episode ever on he-man uh that i did with them uh, about the uh the gayest episode of original he-man ever and we we talk about the recent masters of the universe netflix show on there too it was it was fun gaying out with my bros uh, my gay bros you on can that show. hear henry unchained without my straight influence <laughs> i felt bad we j- slightly j- joked around about bob at the start <laughs> of it and i felt <laughs> i bad. heard it henry uh but but yes also the one they did about the fraggle rock episode about aids like I listened to the song from that episode probably like 100 times over that week and when I w- listened to that podcast like yeah oh man uh those songs are so corny but they still get to me yep yeah it's uh Muppets is allowed to be corny you know mm-hmm. we there's some shows that if they're corny it's like ah, I miss the cruelty or the satire but like the Muppets can be as corny as they want to be those soft gentle 70s ballads about yes. love and loss uh all from like these you know stoned out hippies mm-hmm. telling you about it yeah up next we have uh, C-Lab 2021 Bizarro. Bizarro. We're going to Bizarro answer this question or reply to this comment. So Robert Denby says, I remember hearing a different version of the Dino footage story on a podcast. Maybe Aisha Tyler's? Adam Reed was asked to watch Flintstones and flag footage whenever any dinosaur was on screen. He asked the supervisor why and was told there'd be a presentation of Turner or Cartoon Network material to a Christian group, and they wanted to know what episodes had uh, the least or no amount of dinosaurs so as not to offend their creationist sensibilities. (laughs) So Uh, there you have it. Yeah, that was a story I was recalling where Adam Reed, uh, one of the C-Lab 2021 guys, he was a production assistant, just asked to watch like lots of footage and flag things. That was one of his jobs. Like, uh, watch every Flintstones, flag every dinosaur. That is great. And, And and all for, I mean, too, you know, 
uh turner is based in uh georgia so it's it's very believable to me they met with some hardcore christian group or even a a company owned by a strongly christian person who does not want to see dinosaurs with man mm-hmm. in, on screen i guess it depends on what kind of creationist you are right i suppose so yeah but i thought yeah i guess you know what what i've seen it mocked a ton who knows how much it's really believed but there was that uh that creationist theme park that's like you know humans hanging out with dinosaurs because that's what the bible would have said and they won't let you in there ironically yeah yes yeah they're like you better mean this hey that t-shirt's too funny you're not allowed here too clever get out uh and our final comment uh is from alec whitney also about that episode saying i work in an electronics testing lab in seattle so naturally internally it's called the c lab i came in on the ground floor so i got put in charge of naming all the devices so of course they are named things like murphy marco and stormy to more obscure stuff like peachmo stimutac and (laughs) tiger bot it makes me happy to see the stuff on a regular basis and even internal documentation where these devices names are on them thanks for the great pod guys and keep up the awesome work i'm i'm so glad that a c-lab super fan got put in charge of such a powerful and important position by chance (laughs) at the c-lab yeah thanks for abusing your power Mm. i only name my hard drives weird things (laughs) i need to get back to that i used to name all my hard drives or files weird things but now it's just i either go with the factory setting or i write like a two word portmanteau that like i know the name mm. of it but not for others even files weird things still do you do that and to entertain really. yourself i i still do that now now whenever i name files it really is just like the audio file where go- i'm going to play on the simpsons uh, or a what a cartoon so i'll write like homer responds to lisa about this and so that way i know while i'm reading through my notes and can then look at the uh at the vlc that i'm playing the sound out out of like ah that's the right mine are all boring their numbers and in my notes i have play clip one play clip two man that's even better oh and by the way uh this is this is monday uh tuesday's the 31st wednesday's the first thursday's the second that's the first day of adult swim 20 years ago so september 2nd that's the 20th anniversary of adult swim the best the most important 20th anniversary of this year of two of 2021 and we'll be retweeting every adult swim podcast we've ever made on that day yes and i know there's one left that we haven't covered but don't worry it's on the schedule don't worry that we we might have missed the very start of september but you don't worry yes it's it's a coming but yeah Yeah. that's been another episode of talk to the audience uh to go over everything really quick once again batman uh the animated series podcast blabbing about btas happening at the end of october towards the end of the year the end of this month we're having our road to el dorado podcast for ten dollar and up patrons and then the poll for october will be should we do batman uh revenge of the joker return of the joker Return of the Joker. there you go uh i was thinking about the revenge of the jedi and return of the jedi (laughs) the batman beyond movie that's going to be a yes no poll for October well should that be our movie let us know if you're a five dollar and a patron but anything else Henry uh no I mean that's it and look forward to Mortal Kombat the journey begins and oh yeah you already said that yes so we're good yes all Uh, the good stuff is a coming Uh, it's gonna be a busy September so please look forward to everything mm -hmm. we've got on the agenda and we'll see you next time for another episode of talk to the audience and we'll see you then Infotainment.